Um, I miss you guys so much, both my wife and I did, but we left you in good hands. And uh, so thankful for Tim Mauricio, who is, uh, give us, gave us his testimony uh, the week I was sick and uh, called him up on short notice. He did an amazing job. And uh, how about his wife, man? Wow. What, what an amazing woman of God. So if you're going through trials with your husband, maybe you should connect with Monica and ask her how to pray for your husband, man. What an amazing testimony. Then we had uh, uh, Elder Randy Lamaster shared from Psalm 83. Great message. Hopefully that was encouraging to you. And then we had Pastor Brian and Pastor Mike manhandling Ezekiel 38 and 39. And boy, what a, what a great message. Now, I do think that it was providential that uh, Brian and, and Mike, Brian, Brian, okay, Brian had his dates mixed up, but it's okay. It's okay because I think the Lord had something that, he, that, that Mike closed with that I want to pick up with this morning. Do you remember what, what Pastor Mike closed with in his message last week? He said that he woke up at four o'clock, and every time he wakes up, no matter what time it is, he goes to the book of Jeremiah at the time, the chapter at the time that he woke up. So he's reading Jeremiah chapter four, and he came to, I think, verse 15 or 18, which one it was it? One of, one of those, but, he t- but it talks about the idea of us returning to the Lord in repentance. And this has been a theme on my heart for some time now, several months of, of the Lord just speaking to me personally about what is true repentance. What does it look like and what, what doesn't it look like? And, uh, you know, I, I wrote a song relating to this a, a couple months ago that I want to share with you at the end here. But, um, but we're going to talk about repentance today. This is a subject that we all, we know the word, but we don't typically hear messages all about repentance. And I don't know why, because it's such a crucial It's a crucial uh, thing in the Christian life, both to come to Christ and to maintain your relationship with Christ. Repentance is for the unbeliever and the believer alike. The word repent in the Old Testament, it literally means to turn, to turn around, to return. The word in the New Testament that they use, and by the way, listen, Most of the writers of the New Testament were Hebrew men. When they use the word repentance, they're thinking of the Hebrew word repentance. What does it mean? To turn, to turn around, to return to God. The New Testament Greek word, Koine Greek, the ancient Greek that they used to write the New Testament, the word repent in that, uh, in the Koine Greek means to have a change of mind. To have a change of mind. And that's the title of my message this morning. Listen, we need to change our mind. Change our mind about what? Change our mind about sin. We need to change our mind about sin. If you want freedom, I'm talking about the real freedom that Christ promises us in his word. If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. If you want to have that kind of freedom, then you need to understand what true repentance looks like. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want you to turn to two places in your Bible this morning. Isaiah 55 and 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Isaiah 55 and 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And as you're making your way there, I'm just going to ask the Lord to bless this time. Father, we come in Jesus' name. Seeking, Lord, to hear your voice. Seeking, Father, to be different people than we were when we came into this place. God, you know what we need to hear. You know what our struggles are. You know what's hanging us up from genuine and true repentance this morning. You desire for your church in the end days to be a purified bride Christ makes us pure but Lord there we have a part in this that we would pursue holiness that we would obey the commandments of Christ to the best of our ability that we would not trample upon the crucified son of God but that we would receive grace at the same time 
Father, we pray that you meet us where we are today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the main messages of the New Testament, believe it or not, is repentance. It starts out, John the Baptist, who is the last, last uh, prophet of the Old Testament, right? Well, you could say Jesus was, really, but, but Jesus is kind of this character that, that fits both the Old and the New Covenant. He, he, he fulfilled the Old Covenant, but he brought in the New Covenant, right? But John the Baptist, after 400 years of silence from God, rises up on the scene, and he has one message for the people, and it is this, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. John came with a message of repentance. You see, the message of repentance is, is the gospel. It's part of the gospel. Jesus didn't just call us to be saved, but to turn away from our sin and be saved. How do we know this? Because that was the same message Jesus gave. Do you know after he was baptized by John the Baptist, and then he was led into the wilderness. Directly after that, the Holy Spirit had filled him, and he was baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, just like you and I are, right? He went in the power of the Spirit in the wilderness. He's tempted. He, he sins not, and he rises up, and this is what he says. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew recording for us in verse 17. From that time, after Jesus came out of the wilderness, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a message that is calling for sinners not to just be saved but to have a change of mind, to have a change of mind about sin. Jesus is calling for real change here. The Bible says, you want to know if you're a Christian or not? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anybody's in Christ, he's what? The same person. No, a new person. If anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. We don't start out children of God. We become children of God by way of adoption through the cross of Jesus Christ. His blood shed for us. But we have a part in that, and that is to turn away from our sin and to receive Jesus Christ. To believe by faith. Faith and repentance, they're not, um, they're not contradictive. Repentance is not a work in this case. It's part of faith. It's part of believing. Listen, you cannot confess Jesus Christ as your Lord if you have not turned away from your sin. Why? Because he's not your Lord at that point. You're holding on to something. You're holding on to your sin. You love your sin more than you love Christ, and so you're not turning from your sin, but you're holding on to it, and therefore, you're not a new creation. You're not regenerated. Boy, Pastor Tim, this sounds harsh. Listen, listen. God, I'm going to tell you, has been dealing with me on this. God has been speaking to me about my, my, my walk with the Lord, and I keep wondering, like, Lord, why do I keep struggling with these same sins? Anybody else in the same boat here? Anybody else saying, Lord, why do I keep going back to the same vomit? I don't want this anymore. You say in your word that we can have true freedom. Why am I not experiencing it? And the Lord told me why. He told me, Tim, because you're not genuinely repentant. Genuinely repentant. Oh man, that sounds serious. It is serious. Because here, here's what happens with our sin. How many of you guys do, how many of you guys commit sins you hate? Anybody in this room? Uh, uh, okay, I, I, I think you do, but I think you don't. I think you do hate them because you know you're supposed to hate them, but why do you keep doing them? Why do you keep doing them? Because you like them. You don't do things you don't like. You don't commit sins that you don't like. You don't walk in sin that you don't have any kind of affection for. Listen, I'm not strung out in an alley shooting heroin up because I don't like that. And there are sins in your life that you do like if you're being honest. 
if you're being genuine with the Lord this morning, what we have to do is ask the Lord to change our desire. Desire is where it is at. We have a desire. We can blame it on the flesh, and the flesh is real, but I think that we allow the flesh to take over. If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. I'm not saying you can be sinless. Please don't hear that. What I'm saying is there's a place that God wants to take you in freedom in Christ that you're hindering. That you're hindering because you love something more than you love God. And that is called idolatry. And that is called sin. Listen, God is asking his church in these last moments to turn back to him, folks. Time is so short that we don't have time to hold on to our sins and just go through the motions. God is calling his church in this day, in this age, to represent Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, uh, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can just discount this, a lot of people do, but Jesus said, you're not my disciple if you don't follow my commandments. That's pretty serious, pretty serious. I'm not here to beat you over the head, I'm here to open up something for you. I want you to see what the Lord is showing me. I want you to understand about this thing of repentance. God is a God who wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants you to live in freedom. He has a place that he wants you to live that is so much higher than you can ever imagine on this earth. But what is hindering you is you. What is hindering you is you. What, what is it that causes a, a dog to go back to his vomit? Because he likes it he likes it we know it's wrong and yet we return and so this morning what what I want to do is I want you to understand what true repentance is and I want you to understand why you're struggling why I'm struggling and it all comes back to James chapter 1 James tells us exactly the way that sin works James chapter 1 I want to read this verse for you it's not in my notes but I'll James chapter 1 and I believe it's in verse 14. Beginning in verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot tempt with evil and he himself tempts no one. Listen, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires that's personal responsibility folks personal responsibility it's my flesh granted it's ingrained those desires within me but some of those desires are learned those desires are gained by living in sin that's what happens sin begot sin that's what James goes on to say he said, when you, when, uh, the, then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and, when, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth what? Death. Death. Are you wondering why you're not living the victorious life this morning? If that's you, I have a word for you. It's from the Lord that he gave to me, and I want to share it with you this morning. Uh, the first message that... John the Baptist preached was repentance. The first message that Jesus himself preached was repentance. And the first message that Peter uh, he preached was a message of repentance. You recall his message after being baptized in the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in tongues, other languages, and everybody heard down below, hey, that sounds like my native language. Peter came out and some were mocking them, saying they were drunk and all. Peter stands up and he gives his first sermon in front of all these people and he talks about what they have done to Jesus Christ. That Jesus came as the savior of the world and that they crucified him. He was putting personal responsibility upon the crowd in that moment. And here's their response, Acts chapter two, verses 37 and through 41. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will, be, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone 
whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many others, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized and there were, they were added, there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Repentance is a message that brings people to Christ, folks. And it brings Christians back into proper fellowship with God. You see, repentance is not just about salvation, but it's also about sanctification. It's about living the life that Christ calls you to live in the freedom that he's given you to live. But you do have some responsibility to that. Uh, What we hear in that message by Peter is repentance and baptism, and we can think that, oh, that must be what saves us. That's not what saves us, and that's not what he said. What saves us is grace through faith in Christ alone. But listen, in that moment, in that process, both repentance and baptism mean something. They mean that you've genuinely turned your life over to Christ and that you've made him the Lord of your life. In other words, you've given him the keys and said, here, Jesus, my life is yours. And the outward act of that is a turning away from sin and turning to God and also identifying before everyone else that I belong to Jesus through baptism. This is not, they, baptism and repentance, listen, is not the means of salvation. It's the identification of salvation. It's the reality that you are saved. If you're not turning from your sin, then you're not saved. If you're not turning from your sin, then you're not repentant. What does that mean? Does, that means the Bible says it like this. If you are practicing sin, if you are practicing sin, you will not inherit The kingdom of God, that is so clear. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Man, here's what God is looking for. A number one, God wants to save, folks. He loves you. He loves us. He loves the people out there doing the most wicked things ever. He loves them. What God wants to do is save people because he loves people but he will not save people who do not want to be saved. That is the reality. God draws us for sure, but we have a responsibility in coming to Christ. And if you've come to Christ, then the rest of your life should be a life of repentance, a life of turning away from sin and turning towards God. Listen, Paul said where grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace abounds the more. That is true. It's in the Bible, man. There's grace for us. God is a compassionate God, a loving God. There's grace for you and I this morning. But listen, that does not take away your responsibility to be repentant when it comes to sin. You hear me on that? We have something to do. You will never be the person that Christ has called you to be until you're living in that, that life of repentance and turning away from sin and turning back towards God. Notice God's expectation for you is not that you would be perfect, but that you would be repentant. There's a difference. Perfection is impossible for us in the flesh because we're, we have this body of flesh. You know, those desires, those desires can diminish. We can starve the dog within us. Paul says, beat your body into submission. That's work, folks. That's difficulty. But he wants you to commit to do that. And then when you trip up, That's where grace comes in. Grace is not the, hey, I can do whatever I want because I'm saved by the grace of God. That's not grace. That's a mishandling and a misappropriation of grace. That's why people have such a problem with, uh, I I hate the way this sounds and I don't like this phrase, but I'm gonna use it for the purpose of you guys understanding what I'm saying. Once saved, always saved. What I call it is eternal security. Security. Eternal security, the fact that when you come to Christ, you've turned your life over to Christ, that you're, not, you can't, you're never gonna undo that. You've been justified by the God of heaven. Your sins are forgiven, you're wiped away. But, you know, at, at the same token, we have, I don't even know where I was going with that. Man, I hate when the train leaves the tracks without the passenger, you know, I want you to understand that there is grace for you in this place this morning. 
in the fact that God allows you to repent, that's grace. In the fact that God is even here this morning speaking to people very specifically about their sin that they're living in right now, that he's trying to draw back because he loves you so much and he wants, to be, he wants you to be in right relationship with him. You might, be, you might say, man, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know how much God has already done. And I want to celebrate with, that, you, with you in the victory that you have in Christ today. You know, let's give the Lord a, a round of applause for everything that he's done in our lives this morning. For all the freedom that we do have. I mean, he's so good. The Lord is so good. But listen. He's not done. He's not done. He has more to do. And if you don't get on board with him in this regard, then you're going to miss out. You're not going to necessarily miss out on heaven if you're a believer, but you will miss out on the blessing that God has for you in this day and age. God has something more for you. Listen to the words of Isaiah 55, and we're going to pick this up in Uh, verses six and seven. Listen to the plea of God for repentance of wicked and uh, sinful people. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord that he may may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon Did you hear the words of God speaking through Isaiah to a wicked and perverse generation? The northern kingdom and Judah who are living uh, uh, totally contrary to the way that God's calling them to live. And how do we know? Because God is warning them right now that if they do not turn away, there's an opportunity for them right now to turn from their sin. This is 150, 200 years before Judah gets overtaken by Babylon, it's not very much, uh, it's not very far away from when the Assyrians overtake the northern kingdom, Israel, right? God is pleading with these people to turn from their sins so that they don't have to experience the judgment of God. That's his love. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. That suggests that he may not be found at some point. And he says, call upon his name while he's near. That suggests that he won't always be near. But what it does tell us is the responsibility. That's God. That's God's call to people. Now he puts the conditional clause, the conditional clause on compassion and pardon. The conditional clause here is forsaking your ways and your thoughts and that you return to him. This is conditional. God isn't saying, I'm just gonna give this to you, but you must do this first, and then you will experience this. But it does tell us the heart of God relating to the sinner folks. God is a compassionate God. He's a loving God. He's a kind God, and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Paul said that in Romans chapter two, verse four. It's his kindness It's his goodwill towards us. It's God saying, I know you're messed up. I understand it happened at the fall. I've made a way for you now. The ball's in your court. What are you gonna do with it? What will you do with Jesus Christ? The pardon being referenced here is not the religious system of the day, folks. It's not the sacrificial system. What he's saying is that there is a pardon coming and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the only pardon for sin. Jesus is the only one that can remove your sin to wash you white as snow. Isn't it interesting as you read the book of Isaiah, you hear the plea of God through this man. God, Isaiah chapter 1, you guys are living so sinfully and all these sorts of things. But then he gets to verse 18 in chapter 1 and he says, come and let us reason together. God is saying, just come to me and let's reason together by way of the cross that your sins as scarlet as they are might be washed and that you might be as white as wool. That is the heart of God for you. That is the heart of God for every person that lives on planet Earth. But the requirement, the requirement to experience this is forsaking your ways and your thoughts 
and returning to God. This is repentance, folks. This is repentance. This is God telling his children, Israel and Judah both, to turn from their sin and turn back towards God. He's calling them to repentance. It's an amazing plea from the Lord. God wants them, listen, to forsake their sin, literally, to, 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 to turn away from it, to get rid of it, to stop dwelling on it. And he wants them to turn to him. Uh, I want you to hear what the, the, the verses below that now. And let's put this in context because I think this is quoted out of context a lot. And I've quoted this out of context a lot. So he's talking about repentance, right? He's talking about wanting to give compassion and wanting to give forgiveness and pardon. And then he goes, listen, he's telling people to turn from their ways and thoughts. And then he goes on to say, for your thoughts are not my thoughts. And your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts. The context is God asking his people to repent of their sin and turn from their wicked ways and thoughts and return to him. What God is saying through Isaiah here is that your ways that you're holding on to are so much lower than my ways. Your thoughts that are so captivating you and are holding, that you're holding on to, they're so much lower than my thoughts. If you return to the Lord, if you forsake your ways and your thoughts, what is he going to do? He's going to give you his ways and his thoughts. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I want to give you my ways. I want to give you my thoughts. But you have to come to me. He's done everything aside from forcing you to turn your sin over. You know, I'm going to... Uh, the Lord will not pry your sin out of your hands. He will let you hang on to it, folks, as long as you want to hang on to it. And he will allow you to live in this low way of living, in this low way of thinking for as long as you want to, as long as you desire to. Why isn't the church of Jesus Christ doing the same things that we read in the book of Acts in this day and age all over the place? I'm going to say because the church isn't repentant. I'm going to say because the church has become like the world. Let me ask you a question. What is it that is going to, what is it about being relative to the world that is going to make the world turn to Christ? Uh, Christ never called us to be relative to the world. He called us to be completely separate from the world, but to go into the world. He called us to uh, be different than the world so that the world can see the difference of what his thoughts are and his ways are versus what our thoughts are and our ways are. But if believers are not living that way, then what attraction is the church? What attraction is Christ to the world? Now, I'm just saying that in this day and age, there's not a lot of people that put the onus back, not a lot of pastors that put the onus back on the body of Christ and say, you, you have a responsibility to represent Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Are you taking it serious? Or are you just going through the motions? Are you allowing the grace of God to transform you in a way that makes you so different than the world that when you walk into your office or the gas station or the grocery store that people are going, man, that person looks different. And I will say this, that I will tell you that you, know, you, you consider some of the things going on in our world today and people are gravitating towards the church to some degree because there is some separation. And not everybody's messing up, by the way. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not messing up and you're repentant and you're, praise God, keep doing it. Don't, don't pull back on the throttle. Press in and press on. For some of us here today, we need to come back to the Lord. We need to hear what he's saying in Isaiah and we need to grab hold of these higher thoughts and these higher ways. Listen, the sin that you're struggling with, the things that are cyclical in your life that keep coming back around? Listen, God wants to set you free from that. There is not a cycle of sin in your life unless you allow it to exist. There is not a cycle of sin in your life unless you allow it to exist. 
Because the blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it can break every chain. There's not a chain that it can't break. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, man, you don't know the chain. You don't know the blood of Jesus Christ is what you don't know. The blood of Jesus Christ can break any chain. Do you want to be set free this morning? He wants to set you free, man. But you have to, you have to abandon your love affair with whatever it is that is holding on to you. Spurgeon said it like this. He said, there must be a true and actual abandonment of sin and a turning unto righteousness in a real act, indeed, in everyday life. This isn't pie-in-the-sky theology, folks. This is practical Christianity. Spurgeon goes on to say, repentance, to be sure, must be entire, not partial, must be entire. How will many say, sir, I will renounce this sin and the other, but there are certain darling lusts which I must hold, much keep and hold. Man, what will keep you from the victorious life is a lust and a love affair for, for things that are not of God. That is what will keep you. And God wants to set you free from that this morning. And how do I know? Because he's done it for me. He's done it for me. Listen, I had cyclical sins in my life. And I kept asking the Lord, like, Lord, why do I? I hope that didn't shock anybody that I sin. <laughs> hope you're not like, what? Pastor Tim sins? Oh, my gosh. I'm never coming back to this church. If that's what you think, see you later. But, uh, <laughs> hey, listen. I'm just being transparent with you. God wants to do a work in your life, and he's done it in my life, and I'm telling you it's real. I'm telling you that if you want freedom from the things that keep coming around, it's not that it's super easy because you know what it requires? Dying to self. It requires dying to self. You see, to turn away from your sin is, is hard on your flesh. And there's a battle. Paul talks about the, 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 the flesh warring against the spirit. But you know what? The spirit also wars against the flesh and he can overcome it. Jesus doesn't promise us in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3 specifically, speaking to the church, he doesn't say repent and then live in those sins cyclically in your life. No, he says repent, turn away from those sins, and he is going to meet you, and he's going to set you free. You're not going to be the same. You're not going to continue to struggle with these things. So why am I? Well, it can be a couple things. A, number one, the big elephant in the room is you're not truly repentant. You've not really given it over to the Lord. The other thing that it could be is that, that the devil knows what you struggle with and he's gonna keep bringing the lure back. But, but that is where we pray, God, change my desires. Lord, I don't want desire for that thing. Be real with God. God, I do have a like for this sin. I don't want to, but I do. Sometimes we think repentance is, uh, well, I'm gonna, I'll get to that in a second, but, 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 but you know, Ask him to change your desires. Ask him to become bigger. Ask him to become bigger, the, a bigger desire in your heart than the sin that you have that's holding you down. You don't think he'll answer that prayer? I dare you to pray that prayer in sincerity. I dare you. And I want you to be bold enough to come back up here and give the testimony of the freedom that Christ has given you when you do it. I dare you. Pray that prayer. Paul talks about the difference between real repentance and a genuine and real repentance and just worldly repentance, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, turn with me there very quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This is, this is Paul confronting a sinful situation in the church of Ephesus, or the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth is rampantly living in sin. And they think they're being gracious and they just don't have proper, proper teaching and understanding. And so Paul is educating them here on what, it, what the Christian life is supposed to look like. And we're not supposed to be tolerant of sin in the body of Christ, right? That's what he's talking about. If you start to read 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul is addressing certain specific sins that are, exist within the body of Christ there at Corinth. And he's saying, you guys need to deal with these things. 
it's not helpful for the body of Christ. That is not grace. It's not grace to allow sin to just continue to exist and not say anything about it. God wants you to be confrontational. What? I don't want to confront anybody. Well, listen, that might not be your strong suit, but I promise you the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to do it. But again, he's not going to force you to. I'm not confrontational either. I don't like it. Some of you can't wait. I would say you maybe want to wait on the Spirit a little bit more. <laughs> but for those of you who are so, so hindered by, well, I don't know why I want to say anything. I don't know if I should say anything. That's not walking in the Spirit. That's walking in the flesh. You walk in the Spirit of God. He tells you what to do and what to say. And you do it. So we're called to. I know I'm oversimplifying this, but, but all of these things are true. Second Corinthians chapter seven, Paul addressing this, this sin. He, he, he says, here's what true repentance and, and false repentance looks like. He said, for even I, even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I, regr though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a little while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffer no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it is not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. What Paul is saying here in these verses is that saying sorry is not repentance, even if it's with tears. Repentance is not an emotion, although emotions are often involved in genuine and true repentance, it's not an emotion. Someone comes to you weeping and profusely crying and and, and, and saying, I'm sorry, doesn't necessarily mean that they've repented. What is the true tale sign of repentance? That they have gone and sinned no more. That they have gone and sinned no more. Jesus, Jesus called to what I believe to be unconverted people in John chapter 8, I think, in John chapter 5, um, the, the woman that caught in the adulterous act, I think that's John 8, and then John chapter 5 where um, the, the man at the, the pool of Bethesda where he was healed on the Sabbath day, Jesus told both of them who didn't confess him as Lord, go and sin no more. How much more is the Lord calling people filled with the Holy Spirit to go and sin no more. He's not teaching sinless perfection, by the way. What he's saying is the specific sin that you've struggled with here that's gotten you into this place, turn from it and go and don't do it anymore. Don't do it anymore. Genuine and true repentance is a turning from sin to where you've committed yourself to not practice it, to not, to not go back into it, that you've totally burned the barn down and you've not looked back. Listen, you've been taught since you were a little kid and you're teaching your little kids, go tell them sorry. Go tell them sorry. And you know what? Your little kids are going, sorry. And they're walking away. They're not sorry. I, I don't know if that's a newsflash. They're not sorry. Neither were you when you said it. And I'm not, I'm not sorry either in that regard. But I'll say the words. And do you know we come to God like that? I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry that I did this thing and I'm sorry that um, you busted me in it. That's not real repentance. Real repentance is, God, 
I am ashamed of what I've done to defame you. It's not necessarily in the words, guys. It's in the, the attitude of the heart. It's, the, it's, it's not, it's not you, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I'm sickened by what I've done. I'm sickened by what I've done. I'm, I, want, I don't want to do that ever again. And, you know, here's the, here's the hinge. This is the hinging point. Um, in your mind, are you asking God to give you the ability to not do it again? Or are you saying, like, God, I'm never going to do that again and winking at him? I mean, I'll never struggle with that again, Lord, you know. Do you know he reads your inner man like a book? You can hide nothing from him. You could, you could fool me. You could fool Pastor Mike. You could fool, fool Randy, Brian, you know. You could fool everybody in this room. But you cannot fool God when it comes to repentance. And, and really, I, I think um, most of us in this room understand what repentance is. We understand that, you know, we, we, that it's a turning away from the Lord and all. But I think, I think sometimes we get in the practice of just saying, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. That's what the Lord's been dealing with me on. Is Tim, you know, I know your heart. I know that you love me. I know that you want to do these things. But, but here's the thing is, you know, coming to me with this I'm sorry business is not enough. It's not enough. Because you're not sorry. You're not sorry if you keep doing it. You're really not sorry. That's not real repentance. And God is saying the same to you this morning. He's saying, listen, turn away from whatever it is and, and have a sorrow that is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. I remember the first time that I ever experienced true and godly sorrow. And I'll tell you that it wasn't at salvation. It wasn't. And for many of you in this room, it, you didn't have a genuine repentance at salvation, but you were saved. How does that work? Well, God knows your heart, and he knows what you're trying to do. I didn't know what to say. I was by myself in the middle of my bedroom. I, didn't, I knew that I was a sinner. I said what I thought I needed to say. God, I want to be forgiven for my sins. I don't want to go to hell. Anybody else say that? That's being honest. But do you know what? God changed my life. You know, there was a repentance somewhere in my heart because I didn't say the words, but there was, and God saw so two weeks later, I'm driving to the gym at like 5.30 in the morning. I'm barely awake. And I'm like, somebody in my church told me, listen to third day. They're, they just came out. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm 50 years old. So, you know. But uh, I was listening to, the, to, to third day. I put the CD in and I'm listening to this song. And all of a sudden, the guitar plays. And the very first opening words were, I am a thief. I am a murderer. And those words captured me. And I knew God was talking to me in this song, in that moment. And I just began to weep. I'm like, what in the heck is going on with me? I'm a thief. I'm a murderer. I have crucified Jesus myself with the things that I've done. And I had to pull over because I was, I didn't even know what was going on, man. I was barely awake. But the Lord was speaking to me. And he was saying, Tim, I need you to understand your sin. And that was when I said, God, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that I failed you in these ways. And I could sit there and I could say, well, Lord, you know, if Adam and Eve wouldn't have done that in the garden, I wouldn't do this. Or I could say like, Lord, well, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm, you know, this or that. Or I could have made up a gazillion, a gazillion, uh, whatever. I don't know. Excuses. Thank you. But I didn't. And I received what God said to me in that moment and I gave him back what he's looking for, repentance. God, help me not to fall back into these things, Lord. Help me. I don't want to be this person. And do you know, he met me right where I was. What I want you to know this morning is that you're not fooling God. He knows. 
He knows if you're genuinely repentant. He knows if you're not. That doesn't change his message for you. Do you know that? His message is still, as he said in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek him here while you're still here, while you have breath in your lungs. Seek him with everything that you got. That word seek there in the Hebrew literally means beat a path to God. Beat a path to him. Let him know, I've come to you so many times, Lord, that there is a beaten path to your throne room where I fall on my knees and I confess my sin to you, Lord. When's the last time you got on your face and you told God in genuineness, I'm sorry, God. It's not about emotion. It's not about position. It's about a a heart bent towards God that says, I want you more than anything else, Lord. I don't know if you, you caught the theme of worship this morning, but it's all about repentance. We want to give you an opportunity this morning to just go before the Lord, man. Be real with God. It does not matter who's sitting to the right or to the left of you. You, I promise you, will not answer to them in the day of judgment. You will not. Forget the fear of man in this moment and respond to the Lord for real. Don't go through the motions anymore. Refuse to allow those sins that continue to plague you to continue to do that. Refuse this morning. Say, you know what, I'm a son of God. I've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have to settle for this. I do not and I will not. And this morning, Lord, I'm turning it all over to you. Listen, the worship team's gonna come forward right now and we're gonna play a song and I want you just to think about this, these words and, and stuff and, and just really ask the Lord to, to speak directly into your heart. There are things that you do that you might think, oh, but that's no big deal. How many of you love to gossip? Oh man, I love to hear a good story about somebody else. That's called sin. And some people love it and they don't wanna change. And there's all kinds of little sins that you accept as being okay and they're not okay. And God is confronting these kinds of things in our lives. You know, we could talk about pornography and we can talk about, you know, having, having affections for people that are not our spouse and we can talk about, you know, all about having, about abusing our pain pills and we can talk about all these other things, right? We could talk about all of that. But maybe the sins that you're struggling the most are the most accepted by you and by everybody else around you. God is not okay with any sin. There are no white lies. White lies are full lies in God's eyes. Today is the day, man. If you don't know the Lord, you've never come to Christ, today is the day you call upon his name. You need to just pray a prayer like, Lord, I'm deciding because repentance is a decision. I'm deciding today to turn from my sin and to return to you, God. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. I'm deciding to do that, Lord. I repent. Meet me with your compassion and your pardon today, Lord, even right now. And you pray a simple, simple prayer like that and then be specific with the Lord about the things that you want to turn from. God does not want you to leave the same person you came in. He wants you to leave all your garbage at the foot of the cross this morning. He wants you to dump all of it on him. He doesn't want you to dump it on him and then come back around later like a dog does to his vomit. He wants you to leave it there. He wants you to vomit on him today. Praise God. He, he wants you to let it all go, folks. And if you will, and if you do it genuinely, he's gonna meet you with a power and with an ability to daily do that to daily die to yourself. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me daily. It's a daily thing, folks. Listen, there's not gonna be anybody up here to pray for you because this is a moment between you and God where you can be honest before the Lord. You can come to the altar. You can stay where you are. It does not matter to me. But you do what the Lord tells you to do. But I will tell you this. Do not let let the fear of man stop you from doing what God's calling you to do. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for just this message this morning and these, just the confrontation, Lord, of what, what we're talking about here, repentance. 
that God, you're calling your bride to be pure. You're calling your bride to be representative of Jesus. And although we will never do that perfectly, Lord, we don't want to, do, we don't want to live with excuses in our heart and in half-hearted repentance because you don't accept that. But this morning we want to turn our entire self over to you once again. Maybe, we, maybe we've never done that before. Lord, I pray for those in this place that are not sure that they've ever been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. They've never changed. They just said a prayer and they've never truly changed. Everything's been the same. Lord, that's not a person that's been born again. There, there needs to be a change in our life. And so we pray for those in this room, Lord, that have never experienced that. Will you touch them today? Father, we pray for those who are broken. Lord, who are heavy laden this morning. Who are saying, God, you caught me. And I'm not just sorry with a, I'm sorry I got caught, but I'm genuinely sorry. And I want to change. Will you change my desires this morning? Will you help me, Lord? And for some of us here today, Lord, although we aren't where we, exactly where we want to be, you're working in that process, and we are genuine in our repentance and pushing on towards the prize of Christ. Lord, will you, will you add to the fire this morning, Lord? Will you add to the fire? Will you set ablaze every heart in this place, God? Because there is a dying world out there that needs to see genuine and true uh, representation of Jesus Christ. Let, uh, let it start with us, God. You transform the world with 12 dudes. What can you do with us, Lord? We surrender ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.